on TV, online, and on Second Thought, let's do talk about the pokers. This is EPT Not Live. Hello, my babies, and welcome to EPT Not Live. Coming up on today's show, maybe we get to the bottom of why there hasn't been a new intro in the last 17 weeks, huh? Oh, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Uh, I did my first ever comedy charity poker gig in Scotland over the weekend. I stumbled over that because I didn't even know that was a thing <laughs> until this weekend. Shark Cage Heat number three is underway and has been released into the wild on your airwaves and on your net paths or whatever. I don't know what you call it. Uh, we got some more social media beefs this week, but we don't because we're skipping that section because we're having Sam Grafton on. And I have a feeling that that guy is going to be a little bit longer interview than usual. Yeah, I'm going through the running order at the moment and like looking at stuff that can make way for more Grafton. You know, they do that on Saturday Night Live sometimes where the show runs long and they're literally tearing up cue cards in the middle of the sketches occasionally just to cut lines out of it. Uh, Superfan vs. Stapes takes us all the way to Northern Ireland. And I realize that if you want to say Ireland with an Irish accent, you just make it O-I, Ireland. You think you're the first person to discover that? No, but, you know... Thanks a lot. If I need someone to bring me down, I mean, that's typically what a wife is for. So let me introduce you to my work wife, Mr. James Hardigan. I like to think of it as giving you a reality check, Joseph. Yeah, whatever. I mean, that's all. That's the same way a wife would word it. Yeah, that's fair, fair enough. enough. <laughs> uh, much praise for last week's edition of EPT Not Live. Nathan Clark says, another great podcast, guys. Getting me through work today. Love it. Um, we've got some pseudo medical advice coming through from David Balkin. This freaking guy. Now, you mentioned, Joe, last week that you have uh, an a eye that's been twitching for yeah. the better part of eight months. Well, David has diagnosed your problem. Eye twitching can be a sign of magnesium deficiency, and it's an easy fix with some vitamins, or as you like to say, vitamins. Thank you so much, David. Oh, good. Thank, Thank you. you so much for the thing that I've seen three doctors about. Do you think in any of those trips, the doctor might have come up with the same thing that you came up with it on fucking Google? Huh? You think I haven't tried magnesium? In what? defense of David Balkin, he was only trying to help. No, I don't know. It's another one of those, like, just know it all. Th uh, you know what? You know what? I think that my eye twitch is making me irritable. Thank you, David. You know what? I'm going to send a basket of apology kittens immediately to David for sending him the, the Christian Bale sound effect. Carl uh, Parrish enjoyed the podcast. Thank you for the generous mentions. My wife's face lit up when you guys called me handsome. Boom. Happy guy here. Lol. I guess uh, he's also used to the wife reality check most of the time. Uh, Pedro has gone ahead and set up a home game on PokerStars for superfans and is inviting all superfans to join. So if you search the hashtag EPTNotLive on Twitter, you'll see the info that Pedro's put out there. And as I said, if you guys get a game together towards the end of the year, I'll talk to some people and we'll try and get some prizes. And who knows, if you pick a good date, maybe Joe and I could also come along for the ride. Obviously, I'll have to... Well, if it's a play money home game, I, I would can say do it to Pedro, because right? obviously he's going to be the home game manager, so yeah. he's in charge of this. Pedro, do make it play money because we have had super fans from the US. If Joe's in America for Christmas, he may want to play from the States. So if we make it a play money game, don't worry about the stakes because we'll sort out the prizes. Let's make it a free roll for, for some goodies. Maybe there's some way we can twitch it too. Like maybe we could do like a Google Hangout where everyone 
who is in the home game can also, I don't know, that might don't, be over overcomplicating things, but... Please don't overthink this and please don't make me put too much effort into this. No, Sorting out prizes is as far as I'm willing to go. I'll do it. You show up and sort out the prizes. I'll do the rest. But did you see the people who got into the conversation about trying to do a live super fan home game and poor Zavi, God bless him, this little naive little Spaniard boy who... Zavi believes that we can persuade the PokerStars fat cat to pay for all the superfans to come to a central location to play together live. Zavi, you're forgetting the fact that I'm staying in an Airbnb, which is exactly seven pounds cheaper per night than a Premier Inn and has exactly 100% fewer television stations. Okay? They're not going to put... They're not going to fly... Hey, maybe if you're willing to stay in the Airbnb with me, maybe <laughs> maybe they'll do it. I think Zavi would consider that to be a bonus, actually. Uh, talking of superfans, Scott Campbell sends in his application. Or he says, I'm tempted to apply for superfan. Well, either do it or don't, Scott. Have to beat The Walking Dead as my specialist subject, and hopefully I would beat Stapes. Now, this is a show you watch, so you probably know about this. Yeah, I would like... I, the thing is, like, it's the first I've heard of this guy, so I don't really know of his superfan status, but he did do what we asked by writing in and throwing his hat in the ring, sort of, even though he didn't... He, like, he said he's tempted to. Um, Drawing walking, a ring around yeah, it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to put him on the list. And, I like, that's something, yeah, that I have a shot at, so I'm happy to, uh, to challenge that guy in the Walking Dead trivia. Uh, one thing we did talk about is the prospect of us going to a, a, a pub poker league game in the next week or so. Gareth Taylor says, just finished listening to EPT Not Live. If you check out Red Tooth Poker website, you'll find a list of local games. I did identify a game in Wimbledon that former superfan Andy Gibbons told me about, but you say you're unavailable, so that's out. Yeah, well, I didn't hear about that until last night, actually. I went and did a comedy show last night, and Andy Gibbons, superfan, I mean, really living up to that superfan name, he showed up. He showed up to my comedy gig last night and he mentioned it to me, but I did promise another comedian, Pete Latham, a guy who works with us sometimes, that I would go see his show on Monday night. Uh. So I don't know if I really want to, I mean, I could back out of that, but I don't really want to since I just reconfirmed with him yesterday. It was one of those things where he was like, where I was like, hey man, I'll be at your show. Yeah. And then 10 minutes later, this Andy Gibbons guy was like, "Um, that's the night we want you to play in the pub league. So uh, there's a chance I back out of Pete's show, but I don't like backing out of things. So. Okay, well, let's look at Tuesday and Wednesday of next week, and I'll look at that website, I'll look at the pubs in the southwest London area, and we'll find something. But we're going to go somewhere, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on social media before the event. I can't do Wednesday either, though, because that's I'm doing this thing. I don't think I've talked about this on air yet or not, but I'm doing this thing at the London School of Economics. They're having me moderate I need like to, a debate. <laughs> I, I need to ask, I need to ask, who the fuck hired you for this gig? I mean, I'm not getting paid for it. It's basically like a, these students, and they have had over a thousand people respond that they're going to attend. Uh, I don't think the room can even accommodate that many, but... You know, no no, no disrespect, Joe. You know, I, I'm a fan. I think you're a man of many talents, but if Here I it was... comes. Here comes him, like, buttery, like, this is the lube job before he sticks it in. Let's, it's basically going to be a shit sandwich. It's basically going to be a compliment on one side... <laughs> a nice piece of a bread. ...a compliment on the other, but okay. the, 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 here comes the lump of but shit I look in the forward to the, to the ending part, then. If I was looking for people to moderate a debate at the London School of Economics... I'm not sure you would be particularly high on my list. What if the debate involved something to do with poker? Would I, I, would I be elevated at all? But my my understanding is that this is a debate about the legal the legal case of Phil Ivey. Correct. So this is a, something of which you know I am an expert in. So this is this is <laughs> effectively a discussion about the law. I will probably be the only person in the room other than the guy that prosecuted Phil Ivey who's ever met Phil Ivey. So <laughs> I'm like and. 
there's a good chance Phil Ivey would remember my name more than the guy. So yeah, I don't know. It's going to be a weird thing. I'm, oh, I'm, I, I promise that there'll be a compliment on the other side of the line. Yes, thank you. Your beard looks very neatly trimmed today. Wow, that's really scraping the bottom of the beard barrel. Um, I don't know. If, I didn't mention this either. This report came out a few weeks ago, and I didn't retweet it because I thought it would be kind of like um, uppity of me. Apparently, this report was generated about who are who are like the most amplified poker people on Twitter. What, is, what does that mean? Like, so as far as like number uh, reach, like the, who oh, reaches the most people. Okay. Yeah. I'm number 10. I'm the 10th most listened to person in Twitter on poker. And I'm the only one of two that isn't a poker player. This is yet another frightening indictment of social media. Right. right? <laughs> that I'm like, I'm like the 10th most influential poker tweeter. And the other, the only non-player that comes in higher than me is Norman Chad. And he's number eight. Well, I think you need to give yourself a round of applause. Cheers. Thanks very much. So I mentioned I went to this comedy show last night. Liv came out too, uh, which was really cool because first of all, I think a lot of people don't believe me. Is she not in Berlin right now? No, she's not in Berlin. She's heading out on Friday Okay, to Berlin. Um, so she came out last night. And uh, what was really cool about it is that Liv was there for my first ever stand-up gig in London. And you can actually see that online if you go uh, search Heads Up with Stapes. And in episode three... They very kindly cut together the best moments of that stand-up act, but I did not do very well the first time she saw me here in London. I was nervous. I was a little too drunk. Um, I didn't really get the response I was looking for. And she came last night to see me. And James, you saw me right before I left, the very same venue in Putney. And I did a, I did a pretty it good job. It was a great at, show. It was a great show. So what I do is I took all of that material and I lit it on fire. I've done it. It's not going to do me any good to keep doing that same material over and over again. So last night, uh, Liv came out and saw me do seven brand new minutes I'd never done before. So to have gone up and done well in front of Liv, finally, was like very cathartic for me. because uh, And I was nervous about doing new stuff, especially as Andy Gibbons was there. A couple of fans came out, and I'm always want to be like, they travel for miles. I was glad. I was really happy that I got to do a pretty decent job um, with that. But uh, speaking... Of comedy, I did. Uh, I did that that twenty minute headline set that you saw before. I did more or less that version over the weekend uh, at this comedy charity poker thing. Event recap. Event recap. How am I doing for cliched music choices this week? The thing about Scotland is that Scotland is so Scotland. Like the things that you think are cliche, like they're a real thing. Like granted, I did not hear any bagpipes while I was there, but lots of other Scottish stereotypes came true over the weekend. The drinking, the liberal use of the word, um, of the C word and the F word, um, that, that all happened. So right around the same time I got asked to do this talk in the London School of Economics, this guy's like, would you ever consider coming to Scotland and doing a poker charity comedy event? And I was like, yeah, sure, if we can make schedules work out. Never thinking that it would actually ever happen. You know, it's one of those things that you say yes to. And then he's like, he was persistent. This guy named Mitchell uh, was persistent. And he was like, okay, well, when when are you going to be in London? And I was over the weekend. And I was like, well, this weekend works. And he's like, okay, done. I'm, I'm creating the event around you based around your schedule. So then I was like, ah, shit. Now I got to go do this. Now, it turns out that the charity is awesome. The charity is really fantastic. I didn't really know much about it till I got there. As evidenced by your conversation about it last week. Yes. 
Um, but I did notice that on his Facebook page, it had like a registered charity number. So at least I knew that it was like a legit thing. And basically the charity is called Young Carers. And what they do is they identify uh, children who've had to take on the adult role in their family. Okay. So it's like if your their parents are sick or they're alcoholics or, or you know, they live with, uh, you know, their parents are, have passed away and they live with their grandparents. And they find these kids and A, sort of give them training to like be adults. So they like teach them how to pay bills and stuff like that. But mostly what they do is they raise money so they can take these kids away for like a weekend and send them camping or send them to Alton Towers where they can just go be kids again for a weekend and not worry about having to take care of themselves, which I think is that's awesome, a really great charity. And it's not one of these big, you know, corporate charity machines, you know, where they have big fancy offices in London. It's like a really grassroots thing. So I was actually very happy to do it. But in typical Stabes fashion, you got a text from me, right? What did that text say? I was gone for like a half hour, maybe. Yeah, that you said goodbye to you. You went to the station and within half an hour, it's like, I am an idiot. More to be revealed next week on the podcast. Yeah, so stupid. Okay, so when I was booking my train ticket, um, the train up there is not is not cheap. You know, I was going to go to Edinburgh for the weekend, uh, visit some friends, guys we used to work with uh, on the EPT Live, and then uh, go to Perth after that. And so I was looking at train tickets, and it was like 130 pounds round trip to go to Edinburgh. And I was like, yeah, it's a little spendy. But then I saw that for 209 pounds... I could go first class. And so I was like, whatever, it's like 60 extra pounds. I have a, a, an obvious question. Yeah. Is that 209 pounds return? Yes. Or 209 each way? 209 pounds return. Okay. Um, and so I was like, you know what? Fine. For like the extra 60 pounds, you, you, you like get to sit it's in first class. It. And What's it? Five hour journey? Yeah, it's like, clo- it's like four and a half hours. Definitely worth it. Um, and you get to eat and drink for free. So I was like, I'll get real shit faced on the way up there. Um, you know, I'll, I'll get my 60 pounds of value, extra value, you know, in, in food and drink. So I go and I sit in first class and uh, I have my little ticket out and the guy comes along collecting everyone's tickets. He picks up mine. He goes, uh, and I can just tell by the way he's looking at it, that there's something wrong. And I'm like, God damn it. There's always just something wrong. And he looks at me and goes, would you like to upgrade? And I was like, uh, upgrade to what? And he's like, to first class. And I don't know what I did, but somehow I paid 209 pounds for a non first class ticket. How is that possible? I think I accidentally bought like a flexible ticket instead of the first, like, because there's like a little matrix where you click on what you want. And I think I just did it in a hurry, didn't you? Yeah, I did it in a hurry. And, um, and so I'm too embarrassed to leave first class, you know, at this point. So you said, yes, I'd like to upgrade. I said, yes, I'd like to upgrade. And I handed my card. How much? It was 112 pounds to upgrade. One way. One way. And so I was like, yep. Sure, just go ahead. You just basically doubled the cost of your ticket. Doubled the cost of my ticket. And I was like, ah, fuck, I'm such a fucking idiot. Like, I'm so dumb. So I'm already like 300 pounds in the hole now for this charity, (laughs) charity thing. Why is it that every story you tell on this show- is just about about, me lighting money on fire all the time. Everything you do just involves you wasting money. Also, because I'm so stupid, right? Like, I could have at least been like, oh, no, sorry. And then gone and just sat in the regular- fucking coach seats because to be fair they sell all the same stuff in the coach seats as you get for free in the first class seats and i doubt that i could really drink 60 pounds worth of booze even in four and a half hours but you know what i fucking made a valiant effort because (laughs) every time the guy came by with the cart 
I was like a double, I was getting double vodkas, double vodka diet Cokes. You should have said, leave the bottle. Well, he did. And the thing is, the dude eventually knew that when he came by, he would just drop two bottles of vodka on my tray and gave me like a little wink. And like, it was the same guy that had made me upgrade the ticket. So he knew. Like, he knew I was, like, going to be taking this, it out. Yeah, this guy has spent a fortune on this trip. Let him have some vodka. Let him just let him do his thing. Yeah, exactly. So, whatever. It took me a while to, like, get over that. But I was like, you know what? It's five hours of, like, no one bugging me, watching the West Wing, getting drunk. I had a pretty good time. Um, so, I had a good good time with my friends in Edinburgh. And then uh, on uh, Sunday morning, this guy Mitchell came and picked me up and took me to Perth. And I was in for a long day. Because uh, he picked me up at 9.30 in the morning. We didn't have time. Excuse me. Ooh, that's some of that vodka is coming back on me. Uh, we didn't have time to, um, to to go to my hotel first. So I was like basically stuck with this guy um, from 9.30 in the morning to whenever he decided that it was that the thing was over. And I don't love getting in these situations. You wouldn't know it because I do it all the fucking time. But the guy, he ended up being an awesome guy. Great charity. I went to the pub and met all these people. It was amazing. And they let me do all. It was one of these things, James, like the Canada thing, where all these people were just so thrilled that I was there. And I was like a little overwhelmed, a little uncomfortable because like, like I didn't have my hotel room. I didn't have my own car. I was like at this place with the bag. They couldn't have made me feel any more welcome. And they uh, they let me do the shuffle up and deal. And I did take some video. I'm going to put out a blog later on. I did take some video, but I thought I would play for you guys. I played for you some of the uh, some of the audio from the Shuffle Up and Deal. All right, guys. So as you know, sometimes in the European Poker Tour, I get to do the Shuffle Up and Deal. And I think that's a little tired, Shuffle Up and Deal. And I've been pitching my bosses for years now that I want to change it, and they won't let me. And the reason is because my version is really fucking stupid. <laughs> well, I was hoping I could use it today for you guys. You ready? Yeah. Dealer, let's mix up all the cards and pass them out to the players. <laughs> but the part that didn't make it into that because I stopped recording is that I was like, it's really fucking stupid. And then as soon as like the applause di died down, one guy just shouts, Story checks out. <laughs> and it was a pretty good little insult, at which point I told him to get the fuck out, um, and everyone laughed again, so I got the last laugh on that one. Uh, a couple of funny things happened during the uh, during the uh, charity event was I went over to just say hello to one of, like, the, there's this, basically this dude there named Jerry. is like the high roller, and he had something like uh, 13 rebuys and 12 add-ons in this charity event. It was a 20-pound event, 10-pound 10, 10 unlimited yeah. rebuy add-ons. And so I went over just to say hello to him. And when I did that, I accidentally kicked over someone's cider. And I felt really bad about it. So I bent over to like clean it up. And as I was doing it, there was a lot of like male oral sex jokes happening. But the weird thing is that while I was, I was also eating a sausage roll while it happened... <laughs> At which point I choked on the sausage roll. So when I looked up, I had like tears streaming down my face. So with all the like male oral sex jokes, I was just like <laughs> with tears streaming down my face. Did nothing to 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 quash all of this head jokes. Did they think that they were making you cry by teasing you? No, I think that they saw the fact that oh, I'd bitten off more than I could chew. I see. I mean, the fact that it was on a sausage roll made the whole thing gloriously homosexual, which was very, very... Uh, hilarious to them uh there was this i don't know if you saw the photo i tweeted there's this old guy i tweeted <laughs> guy you said look like Werner. Herzog. yeah that i was playing poker with Werner herzog and 
my friend, oh my God, my friend sent me the funniest response to that. I don't know how to do this in the Werner Herzog voice, but he just, my friend Greg writes, he deals the cards indifferently. What is not a bad beat when the river sits on a thin sheet of ice above an ocean of chaos. Like it was like <laughs> the most brilliant, like follow up Werner Herzog line. But that dude, I didn't mind making fun of him because he was a mean old bastard. Like at first I couldn't understand what he was saying. And then it was because I realized that every other word was mother and Yeah, get the bleeper ready because he was like, really mean and there was this one hand where he did the classic old guy thing where he was under the gun and he went <sighs> and then limped in and so like i was in the big blinds so, like one other guy limped in but everyone like rolled their eyes like oh classic limp classic sigh limp so i just checked and then so uh so uh, you know it, it goes check check the two, i the small blind checks i check and then he instantly moves all in and it comes back around to me. Everyone folds, comes back back around to me, and I fold, and he looks at me and goes, good fold. No shit. Exactly. Like, no fucking shit. Thank you very much, sir. But anyway, uh, we had a lot of requests for people to sing, everyone loves a chop pot, and I was like, guys, it's kind of like going to a Skinner concert yelling Freebird, okay? Like, let's just... <laughs> Let's just give it. It's not, but I, I I see what you're saying. I was like, it just feels like a little lame. Of course, I did it eventually when I was drunk. Uh, those folks up there, they love poker. They love the EPT. They know all the catchphrases. They get all the jokes, all the inside references. But I don't know how actual famous people handle it because I was exhausted. Now, you remember how tired we were at the end of that party in Canada. It was one of the most bizarre experiences of my life, and it was knackering. So imagine that, but imagine that instead of having Daniel and Marc-Andre Latissour and myself to deflect some of the attention, that it's only you, and it's 14 hours. Well, I'm, I find it a bit awkward to start with. So I'm Right, not... and it is a little awkward, and it's great, and you don't want to be ungrateful, but it is, you're like, oh my god, these people love me, and it's fantastic, but why do I want to go hide in the bathroom for 10 minutes? So I did I did that one time and just went and like, just read my Twitter. Like, I just needed a second. And even though it's people like gushing over you, it, it, it does get exhausting. And I got in this weird situation where like, these dudes showed up, they took a bus from Aberdeen to, uh, to Perth, which is like a five-hour bus ride. So they had to get on the bus at like five in the morning, and they were having such a good time that they stayed past the last bus. And like, they knew I had a hotel room and it was kind of like, they were just kind of waiting around and I almost felt like obligated to offer them my hotel room. And like one person sort of suggested it. And I was like, I just can't, like, I just can't do it. And I even texted Daniel and I was like, Daniel, has this situation ever happened to you before? And he was like, no, never. What are you doing? Like, how are you, <laughs> how are you ever in this situation? Cause on the one hand I was like, man, I just want to go back to my hotel room. And then on the other hand I was like, would it be so bad to just say, like, come on, boys, like, come on and crash in my hotel room? Yeah, but the reason this kind of stuff happens to you, going back to the whole conversation about the train ticket, is you do have a track record for making poor decisions. Yes. So I didn't make the poor decision in this case. I let Bizarre. them. I let them go sleep at the bus station, which I did feel guilty about. But the comedy, the comedy went well. I thought maybe you guys might like to hear a little piece of the comedy. I did tailor it a little bit to so Scotland. Just a check. Are you having to perform comedy while people are playing poker or was the comedy no, performance good, after the poker? Good question. So there was a lot, I thought there was going to be a lot of pressure on me, but um, they paused the tournament at like about 8.30 for like a, a comedy interlude. And I was hoping that they would have gotten to the final table and like made the break then. So in microcosm, this is like the Super Bowl halftime show. We yes. played the first half 
And now Katy Perry slash Joe Stapleton is going to come out on stage, entertain the masses, and then the game continues. Exactly. And so I basically tried to convince them not to do that. I was like, guys, nobody's going to want to stop playing poker to listen to me do comedy. It's really going to break up the night. And they're like, no, don't be silly. Everyone's here to see you. And I will say that they hired a warm-up guy uh, named Bruce Fumi, who is awesome. He was really great. And I don't think I, the comedy went well, but I don't think it would have gone as well if it were not for Bruce uh, because he really warmed them up and got everyone in the comedy mindset. So uh, hats off to him. I'm going to play you guys a little clip. Um, you know, I don't like to play too much stuff in my stand-up in case people come to me live, but this is custom tailored to Scotland. So I figure uh, it won't be that big of a deal. Quick round of applause for Mitchell Moyer for putting this whole thing together. That's right, and keep it going for yourselves because together we all raised 1,695 pounds And after my fee, that's going to amount to nearly 400 pounds. So everyone should really be proud of themselves. I kind of feel like living in America is like dating a really hot chick who occasionally slaps you around. Like it sucks, but you're probably not gonna do any better. <laughs> like you guys know what I'm talking about with the whole referendum thing, right? But I will say, I will say that the referendum did feel a little bit like when you're nine years old and you tell your parents you'd be fine without them. <laughs> I don't need you anymore. They're like, oh yeah, Scotland, what are you gonna do for money? What are you? Well, we'll we'll just use your money. <laughs> no, that's not how it works. Uh, but I will say I ultimately took your guys' side because of the slogan. Because of the slogan that England used. They, what was it? Better together, right? Doesn't that sound like something that Ike would say to Tina Turner? <laughs> and, and like, come on, baby. I know you're smacking around occasionally, but we're better together, baby. Come on. We're better together. <laughs> So we uh, basically, I, I was able to uh, win the crowd over by basically shitting on England for uh, for like 22 minutes. Always goes down well north of the border. Yeah, Scotland, north of the wall, as they call it. So they were really receptive. Uh, the comedy show went great. They were, they were all very, very happy I was there. Uh, went back. I was still in the poker tournament, too. We were down to like maybe 12 players when that happened. And I... I I wanted to win, but I also didn't because I felt like if I had won, I was going to be obligated to give all the money back to the charity and not that I didn't want to do that, but like I was already out of pocket, like 300 for the train and my hotel room was like another 80 pounds. And I think first place, second place was something like 300 pounds. And I was like, man, if I don't, if I win and like, I just can't, I, like I've already sort of made a donation to this. And so I just didn't want to be in this situation. And luckily I got beaten in like one of the most painful races I've ever been a part of, which is uh, Queens versus Ace King. And uh, it came ace queen on the flop, jack 10, turn and river. So, and like everyone was like, I was like, oh, sorry for the bad beat. Sorry for the bad beat. And I was like, no, it's not a bad beat. It's just a race. It's just a race. Didn't mean it. I was like, what a fucking bad beat. Like, I I was like, it's just a race, guys. We're coin flip when the money went in. And I did not mean it at all. I was like so tilted and so angry. And like, you can't show that. I'm like, nice hand, guys. I said, great job, everyone. Great job. Even though I didn't want to win, I was still pissed off to go out. Finally, on the way back, I'm still bad at trains. Now, Mitchell said that he would drive me back to Edinburgh in the morning, but the problem was, legally, he was still drunk in the okay. morning. And he was like, I'm sorry, I just can't. And he tried to give me money to take a cab to the Perth train station and then Perth to Edinburgh. And I was like, don't worry, dude, it's all good. Like, I can't, I'm not going to take this guy's personal money. Like, this dude, he's like a working class dude. 
he puts this whole thing together. You heard we raised 1,600 pounds, right? Which doesn't sound like a ton of money to raise, but that's like, that's what you do at like a grassroots pub poker thing. It was 600 more pounds than they had raised the year before. So everyone was really happy. And so I wasn't going to take the guy's money. So he called me a cab and I get in the cab and like, it's real close to when the train's leaving. So I bolt out of the cab and I realize that I've left my jumper in the cab. So I go back out real quick to see if I can get my jumper. Cab's gone. I go in. I missed the train. So I'm still really bad at trains. Like even after all this, I'm really bad at trains. I'm just like the biggest idiot ever. Um, Oh, and I forgot they offered to pay me. So. Oh, that's a hard one. Right. So they offered to pay me. On the one hand, you're out of pocket. I mean, you've spent a fortune on going up there. But on the other hand. You're taking money off the bottom line of the charity. I took it. I took it. Like I spent close to 500 pounds total. What they offered to pay me was not half of that. So I was like, I'm just going to take this to recoup some of my losses. They were happy to do it. Um, I do I do wonder, though, what do you think mathematically, like being that this caught, would it have been better if I just sent them a check for like 500 pounds <laughs> rather than showing it? Because what did I, what did I, what did I, like they got, we can just say for argument's sake that they got an extra 600 pounds this year because I was, because I showed up. And I, more or less could have donated 500 and saved yourself. and saved saved everyone like a whole bunch of time and hassle <laughs> i'm thinking next year i might just send a check <laughs> well let's talk tv joe because shark cage episode 5 is now out there tv recap This aired on Channel 4 in the UK. If you are in the UK or Ireland, you can watch it on all four, the Channel 4 On Demand service. If you're anywhere else in the world, it's available right now at youtube.com slash pokerstars. This is the first 50% of Heat 3 from the PCA. A pretty awesome lineup with not one but two celebrities. Tito Ortiz, the MMA superstar, and the legend that is Ronaldo. And I think it's fair to say... Joe, that it's Ronaldo that excited the Twitterverse. Yeah, Ronaldo, um, just, you know, I, he's just got that worldwide appeal. And, you know, for I think most of our audience in the UK, that he was doing his thing and was like the best soccer player of all time when these people were all like teenagers and in their adolescence. That And that's that's when people, I think, really, that's when your heroes are mostly it's born. when you latch on to a sports yeah, star, exactly. for sure. And also, what's clear is there are a lot of people who watch Shark Cage who don't necessarily watch our traditional tournament coverage because obviously the PCA only went out a few weeks ago and that was all about Ronaldo and his deep run but for a lot of the people watching Shark Cage last night it's like wow this is the first time they've actually seen Ronaldo play poker I did some Shark Cage defending in Scotland as well you know after people had a bunch of drinks in them it was kind of like one or two people were like I don't really like Shark Cage and I just basically said I don't fucking care crushed dissent no I just tried to tell them why I disagree actually it's not that I I I mean yes ultimately I don't care whether or not they like the show but I think that the Shark Cage is sorry but way more fun than regular EPT well Armchair J on Twitter would agree with you (laughs) I remember the hashtag if you're talking about the TV show is Shark Cage I like how J knows what he is well he says that Shark Cage is the best thing on TV and I could watch for hours. He could stay in that armchair. Good. Do it. Uh, Marco. Play poker stars too. <laughs> Marco, very, pl- very uh, pleased to see Ronaldo on Shark Cage. He says, go on, lad. Connor Brown says, the real Ronaldo on Shark Cage on Channel 4. Time to see if he's as clinical on the felt as he was on the pitch. 
Answer, no. Not quite. Uh, some praise for Mr. Stapleton's comedic efforts from Thomas Campbell. Sam can get that chip autographed along with the full body cast he's about to be wearing after sending Tito Ortiz to the cage. Yeah, if you guys haven't seen the show, it is a it is a pretty funny show. I mean, you've got Sam Grafton there. I kind of really let Tito have it a couple of times, which I'm, I hope he doesn't watch the shows. Um, so yeah, there's, there's some great moments in the episode, some really fun spots. Uh, Eggers picking up on the mistake that Connor, the qualifier, made. Everyone loves a chop pot, another great line by Stapes. Kidding! Uh, Christopher Wood says, I can't even imagine meeting Ronaldo, let alone playing with him. Insane. And I don't sure, I'm not sure if this is a criticism of the show or just a general observation, but Ferg tweets, Christ, Sam Grafton doesn't half love the sound of his own voice. Have a day off, will you? Uh, see, I think, I don't know what it is, but I find him to be hilarious, even when he is making fun of me. And some folks in Scotland, they really wanted to talk. I mean, they, they loved poker so much they wanted to talk to me about everything and i really can't reiterate enough what an awesome experience it was meeting those guys just such a great group of people but they wanted to talk to me they're like what's coming up on next week's shark cage and i was like uh there's a uh qualifier named connor and just to put this into context everyone (laughs) joe provided the commentary for this tv show Within 48 hours of having this conversation in Scotland. Correct. And I was like, duh. And then the only other person I could remember was Sam Grafton. So luckily, right now, we've got Sam Grafton on the line. Hey, guys. Hi, Sam Grafton. I assume that, I mean, are we even using technology for this? Or is there just a pipe that Sam is shouting into (laughs) that stretches across? Sam, how do you feel like your reception was? Uh, have people tweeted at you about about last night's show at all or anything like that? Because I got a text from one of my friends at like one o'clock in the morning that said, "What the hell? I'm sorry if he's your friend, but I think Sam Grafton's a bit of an arse." No, someone said that. Well, they texted it to me directly, which um, I'm just wondering. Like, and I find you to be very likable, so I'm just wondering how are you received in general? Because I think you're hilarious. You're asking me how many people messaged me to call me an ass. Um, <laughs> fortunately, uh, no, I feel like I, 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 that doesn't surprise me. I'm well lucky in that I don't get it more. I always feel like someday this, I'm just going to go to two plus two and there's going to be a thread being like, who's this Sam Grafton? And like, why is he so loud all the time? Um, but actually, I, I feel like poker players are always super nice to me. Like, whenever I turn up somewhere, people are always like, Message me to hang out and stuff, and um, and and basically, I think with Ronaldo particularly, and of people my age, um, it seems like an incredibly boss thing to do. So I mainly got a lot, as well as like messages from like poker players or whatever. The biggest response I got from was people from like my pre-poker days, if you know what I mean, like people from yeah. Hampton who I did like ordinary jobs with or whatever, or I went to school with. Like we went to school in the nineties, yeah, when Ronaldo was the biggest footballer in the, on the planet. And they were like, this is incredible. So now also it's like, they didn't know what I did when I said I was a poker player. So they think I just fly around the world and play poker with celebrities. It's like, like this is the only time they've seen me play poker. And they're like, wow, your job's even better than I thought. It's like, well, it's not exactly representative of what I do. But um, so yeah, I had a, had a real, real positive response. And I think like either, I'm sure there are people that think I'm asked, but 
none of them really messaged me. Probably because of my intimidating physique, Snapes. People don't like to say that stuff to my face, you know? You are an incredibly intimidating human being, absolutely. Um, I assume you saw the show, Sam. Yeah, I saw the show. So, Snapes, by the way, was that a friend of yours from the the Panto world? Actually, you're coming live from West Bromwich now, yeah? Is that where... Oh, is that, that, was that line in last night's show? Yes. The thing about the panto... Oh, that's that's why she got upset. She was just being protective about me. That's all. Oh, now it makes perfect sense why she would have said that. I get oh, it now. Right. So so basically, the only person that thinks I'm an ass in the world, it, it was a misclick, and they're just, they're just being protective of your ego. Beautiful. I think so. I think that's all. I mean, to be fair, it wasn't a friend. It was my mother, so that could have been... <laughs> I, I would argue that... that Panto and West Brom would be actually a career advancement. It's, I mean, it's lateral well, what, at what worst. What are you talking about, Hodgkin? You're like Anton Deck, yeah? So if, he does, <laughs> if he does Panto, you're going with him. If oh, you're shit. Confusing, it's like, people won't hire you by yourselves. It's like, well, we need stakes, otherwise, no deal. Like, you you, the, you, the, if, you can't be the straight guy with no funny guy alongside you, Hodgkin. Then you're just like a, a straight guy with no funny guy. What even is that? That's just like an ordinary person, yeah? <laughs> and if I, if I get to... Unless I get to dress up as a woman, I'm not doing panto. <laughs> I, well, I, I found I found the panto comment to be hilarious. Like when we we're watching it here, you know, I didn't see it when it happened live, or we we're watching it and doing the commentary. Yeah. I actually found it to be really funny. But I guess that leads me to the question: Does do people sometimes not find you funny? Have you ever run into a situation at the table where you've made a, a comment like that? And a little bit of spoiler for next week's show is that you give it to Tito Ortiz pretty hard. Uh, it, no, in this episode you did. Yeah, and yeah. so, um, A, were you at all worried about doing that? And B, has anyone ever reacted negatively? I think, I think I'm a, a reasonable, I don't know, am I a reasonable judge? Um, I think that I, I don't just go after people all the time. Like I, don't, I don't like say it to random people random people unless there's a bit of bit of rapport uh, uh, it, funnily enough from the from that time like thinking back to uh, pca which was obviously a great few weeks around in the shark cage i did go out drinking ronaldo with ronaldo and then throw up all over my girlfriend's clothes <laughs> later that evening and um and she didn't that I was funny at that point. She was pretty annoyed. So, so, so that's an ca- example. Of, so occasionally, that's an example of when I've gone too far. And I also I cringe at that night because I have flashbacks of being in the bar at the PCA, being surrounded by maybe ten or twelve. It was just after Steve O'Dwyer had won the high roller. Being surrounded by ten or twelve of the world's best poker players, Ronaldo uh, and his you know supermodel girlfriend, and just not letting anyone talk. Standing <laughs> on the bar, just declaiming at these like. People are just work, just dominating, and yeah, and it comes to me in flashbacks a little bit, and I cringe a little bit. But um, but yeah, once I've had a few drinks, sometimes I get a bit, I get a bit out of line. Now, one thing we have to be care- careful of, especially with your motor mouth, Sam, is spoilers, because as you know, the heat has been split into two TV shows, so the conclusion of this heat from the PCA won't be seen until next week. Uh, so we have to be careful about what we say. And at the point that we left things, yeah. uh, it was still six-handed at the table. And it was a bit of a kind of an ascent and descent for you. Obviously, you had that amazing hand against Ronaldo where you flop quads. Yeah. And then he gets revenge a couple of orbits later with the set-over-set shenanigans. Yeah, I mean, obviously, to some, if there's anyone listening who doesn't play poker very often, this is an amazing play to, way to play aces. Like, I've been playing poker for six years now. I've never, ever seen someone limp three-way at three bases. 
I mean, this is how has he got this hand? It's what do you absolutely- What do you really mean when you say amazing, Sam? Can you? I mean, I, mean, I feel oh, like oh, this is a very English way to say this is an amazing way to play aces when you say this way is complete shit and he got really lucky to set yeah. over set me. Yeah, it's well, it's obviously made more remarkable by the fact that Jake has kings. So if he if he takes any positive action pre-flop, if he raises, Jake re-raises and I just fold. If he limp re-raises, Jake goes all in and I just fold. Like the chances of me actually getting to the flop <laughs> is, are so slim with the distribution of cards. That um, obviously, yeah, it's just a, a, a remarkable, a remarkable situation. And yeah, I mean, Ronaldo don't know what he's doing. Obviously, at this point, I mean, I mean, he went deep. Put it this way: I played the PCA twice. I've never cashed it, but he finished twentieth. So I mean, maybe there's method to the madness. I, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, it's I'm quite unfortunate to find myself in that situation. And and yeah, it's a real, it's a real shame because obviously that lineup was pretty cool. I mean. You know, as much as I like playing with Jason Mercier, I'll take Ronaldo any day of the week, two to my right instead of him, you know? Ronaldo is much cuter than Jason Mercier. He's just adorable. And what a start. I mentioned the fact that obviously you had that hand where you're playing against Ronaldo, which you said is a dream, and then you flop quads, which is an even greater (laughs) dream. This immediately after you've sent Jake Cody to the cage on pretty much the first hand of the heat. How much were you loving life at that point? Oh, I mean, you can see that I'm absolutely, I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm, there's a huge smile on my face, you can see in the footage. And, and yeah, it's great. And particularly Jake, because I think that put everyone at ease, made the tone, because Jake is someone that I can needle, yeah? Because yeah. we've known each other for a long time. We have a lot of banter going back and forth at all times anyway. I think like that uh, Tito was joining in in that, and that made, you know, we, we'd only met for a little bit before in the dressing room. So... That put a, we were both uh, bantering with him. I mean, Jen, I'm pretty relaxed with anyway. I know Jen quite well. So, so then the table, like the atmosphere, was really good, and and it looks like fun on TV. And, and believe me, it, it genuinely, it genuinely was great fun. And uh, of course, you do, you, you do have that. Ch- I think you said in the commentary, uh, James, chirping chips. I mean, this is actual real thing. I'm sure actually my banter level does go up the more. And the more pots I'm winning, uh, and uh, to uh, win that pot off, off Jake, make some money straight away. That was that was a great thing for the atmosphere of the table, and and for me personally as well. Did you actually do anything specific with the two grand, like you said you would, or did it just get like absorbed into your, you know? Your well, they normal... put it into my. They're, they're, they're smart poker stars. They put it into my poker stars. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, I played you know the big one hundred nine twenty times and didn't win anything basically. That's <laughs> yeah, great. So no, I didn't get. Unfortunately, I didn't get bottle service with Tito. You you gotta drop that in just in case he's like, oh no, listen guys, I'll I'll I will take you out. Please do come to Miami. Me and Jake would be like, yeah, unlucky mate, you've got us on your couch for the next two weeks. <laughs> I can see that happening. He was smart enough to not let the the rapport build to the level where me and Jake are uh, are sleeping in his spare room. Yeah, no, that's uh, that's how they do. Like, when the cameras are rolling, it's all good. And then afterward, you're like, hey, uh, can I get your phone number? And they're like, yeah, just just, uh, find me on Facebook. Yeah, well, just just click like on my page. Sam, uh, exactly. I'm still, you know, I'm still waiting for the uh, invite to Mike Tindall's, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Mark Tindall's party with the party with the Queen or whatever. Sam, uh, I wanted to ask about the banter, the chirping chips, and all that. What what percentage of your chat at the table is part of your is your game, and what percentage is just you being you? Well, I mean, anyone who's who's known me from from before poker knows. Yeah, th- th- this is just pretty much me. Um, I, I love to have a good time, and I, I love to talk. And I was always, you know, when I when I worked in, as a a, a 
waiter or worked in a bar or I used to work with adults with learning disabilities. Even when I was a, a school teacher, you know, a teaching assistant, I was I was always a loud and uh, gregarious person. So so yeah, it's it's definitely me. I mean, the, the only thing I'd say is obviously at times I'm serious at the table, you know, when I'm deep in a tournament or whatever. But sometimes I arrive at the table and people are like, oh, Sam's going to be just going crazy and shouting at every hand. And obviously, you've got to be respectful to the situation that you're at. But Shark Cage, particularly in the early levels, I mean, I'm sure, suppose we got heads up, for instance, um, I probably would have to turn it down to concentrate. But those early levels, I know what I'm doing in most situations. So there's just no need, you know, it's perfect situation for me to be able to talk and have fun. And, you know, I, I was excited. If you if you put me at a table with Jake Cody in any event at any time, I would be having a great time and, 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 and having a laugh. But as I said in the interview, it's not really strategic. I know that some players that talk a lot think, uh, you know, like maybe Esteban Diari or, or Daniel, they get they get an edge or whatever. With me, it's just that I enjoy it. And um and you do actually make a load of really good friends through it. I mean, I think uh, some of my best friends in English poker, like I actually messaged Jake, I played um, WSOP Europe this week, and I messaged him to say uh, the first time we ever played together was in 2009. We had the same table in the WSOP event and we were reminiscing about how long ago it was. And, and that was that was when we first like uh, became friends. I'm hoping that we will see you at uh, the the remaining EPT stops this year, Sam. I mean, Prague obviously is just down the road from you. Um, any plans to go to Malta? No, I'm not. I'm not coming to Malta, unfortunately. I'm see, this is disappointing because you're the only person on the tour who I can discuss socialist symbolism in the films of Bernardo Bertolucci with. Yeah, indeed, indeed, it's uh, it's. I, I miss you guys. Actually, we don't we don't get to see each other too often. I was excited to be invited on the show. Because um, it is really good catching up with you guys always. But obviously we've got the Prague home leg. You know, can he go... You know, as long as you guys don't call on me with A7 again. I mean, <laughs> I mean, they set me up. They set me up every time. There I am about to... One of those unavoidable confrontations, right, Sam? Exactly, exactly. I mean, there you are. You're finally... Finally, I'm going to get the EPT title I deserve. And then they just deal me A7 and McKinney. <laughs> And, you know, what, what am I going to do, Steve? What am I going to do? What's the point to do? I mean, it's always going to go in, yeah? Look, so, I, so I don't feel comfortable. I actually don't feel comfortable criticizing players pretty much ever. But I do have to ask, like, how did you, like, you know, it was a bit of a, it was a bit of a thing that didn't have to happen, we'll call it. Like, how did you feel in, like, the hours right after that hand? Well, the hours afterwards, I, I was fine, but I, ha I have thought about it a lot. It, it's interesting. I mean, obviously, I know EPT not lives like not not really strapped, but I do I do think about it. I think it's kind of interesting because one of the things that we do um, you do as a professional is you have your like we say your ranges. Yeah, we we think about the hands we're going to play in certain spots, and you never play a seven like this really versus uh, no. a right. So for those of uh, I'll recap it for, like, I guess listeners who don't know. The Under the Gun opened, who was a big chip leader. And, and just to I set the scene, Sam, we're talking about the last EPT Prague main event. Yeah, last EPT Prague main event with 12 players left. He raised Under the Gun, I was in the small blind with A7 off. And I three bet, and then he four bet, and I five bet all in pretty quickly. And I sort of knew that I was going to five bet if he four bet, because he was, he was playing uh, very aggressively. But, but and I, it makes me think, why did I deviate so much from the way I play, because although EPT is obviously much bigger than the tournaments I normally play, um, the, you know, the stack sizes are, are the same and, and really should play, be playing a pretty similar game. And I think 
One of the things is, is I wanted it so much to win this EPT that maybe I kind of wanted to take it into my hands, my own hands more than I should have. Like I've like forced the situation. I was chipping down and normally I'm fine. It's like I've still got 45 bigs. I'll just wait until I get dealt a good hand or, you know, a relatively good hand in a in better position or whatever. But I kind of, like, my desire to win has meant that I've kind of reverted to how an amateur plays, you know, or like a less experienced professional plays and sort of forcing things and making it happen. I think that just comes from, like, like I would never do this in an online tournament, but it's because winning an online tournament is just about the money, whereas with the EPT, it's like, I want to win an EPT so much that I've like created something, and and I think that that's basically a psychological leak, if you know what I mean. And something that next time I'm deep in a, a tournament that I really care about, I need to kind of be aware of and and sort of double check myself and think, am I why, why am I lifting off here? Is it the correct thing to do with these two cards in this situation, or is it me kind of over overcompensating? See, this is what I really love about Sam is that Sam I find to truly to be one of the funniest dudes at the poker table. He's hilarious, but he's got this other analytical side to him and sam do you find that it's hard to reconcile sort of you know because you're like hilarious at the table you seem like the fun love and party guy and then you write these really serious blogs where you tackle some like important issues do you ever find that those two sort of personalities don't really sort of go together i think i think the only thing that's sometimes jarring for people is um people i've met through kind of uh, partying a little bit or not partying but like drinking say after um, a tournament or or they find it hard they find it hard to believe that a guy who just threw up on his girlfriend's shirt in a bar then writes like a really poignant (laughs) blog about the uh, middle east yeah exactly then sometimes they're like i don't know there's there's situations obviously where it's awkward where someone says something and like i pick them up on it and they think oh like they find it unusual and maybe they're a bit not used to people addressing them when they say something which is like I would deem to be inappropriate or or like people always want to like go to strip clubs with me and I'm like no I'm not going you know and and things like that and then people find that a bit bit unusual so occasionally there's like awkward things you know but um but yeah when Chino Chino Riemann Mike Mizraki want to take me to a strip club in Nottingham. I'm like, no, sorry, lads, that's that's not my vibe. Um, it's you know, that's that's occasionally awkward, but that's fine. You know, I'm, I am who I am, and then and then obviously people get to know me better, and people know that that's that's my personality, and there's a complexity there or whatever. So so yeah, it's it, it's cool. Well, Sam, I was hoping since you do have this serious side to you and you do tend to blog about the issues, if you could play a little game with us that I like to call good for poker bad for poker sure so what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna list out a is bunch it, is, of, it gonna, is the first one your beard states you're welcome to weigh on my beard if you want do you think my beard is good for poker or bad for poker no your, your beard's good your beard's good good for poker that in fact is correct all right so i'm gonna list you out a bunch of topics you have to tell me whether they're good for poker or bad for poker and you don't really have to explain we can just rattle them off you ready yeah ladies events good for poker bad for poker good for poker T-shirts that are made to look like a tuxedo. Good for poker or bad for poker? Bad for poker. Wow. Controversial. 
Yeah, uh, the fifty. Hang on, hang on. Are you saying that that's an incorrect answer? No, I'm, 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 I'm playing a sound effect to go along with whatever okay, Sam I says. To, I want to make it clear that you don't genuinely believe that T-shirts that are made to look like tuxedos are good for anything. It's not about what I think. It's only it's Sam is the arbiter here. Whatever Sam says goes. Number three, the new Fifty Shades of Grey that's told from the other person's perspective. Is that good for poker or bad for poker? Uh, uh, bad for poker. Bad for poker, he says. Number four, the Harry Potter, the, the new Harry Potter musical, and the fact that they just revealed that it's going to be in two parts. Good for poker or bad for poker? How do you do a stage show in two parts? There's going to be a sequel. <laughs> um, maybe they copied the Shark Cage. They were like, "Well, Shark Cage." Ah, <laughs> nice one. <laughs> so, so that's where it comes from, I think. Uh, number five, uh, the new app People that's being put out by Yelp where you can actually rate human beings. Good for poker or bad for poker? Bad for poker. Number six, shot clocks. Good for poker or bad for poker? Bad for poker. Number seven, the hashtag first world problems. Good for poker or bad for poker? Good, good for poker. Number eight, quinoa. Good for poker or bad for poker? <laughs> uh, good for poker. Number nine, Black James Bond. Good for poker. And number ten, the concept of human beings having a soul. Good for poker or bad for poker? Uh, what? What? Do you want to finish Good for poker, Sam Grafton. It defies my belief that when people play these games, they're still surprised by some of the random questions that Joe manages to come up with. Surely you've seen enough of the output of this guy's brain, Sam, to know that nothing is beyond possibility. That good old panto brain of mine. <laughs> by the way, real quick, before Sam can insult me too much about my future in panto, guess who fucking calls me for advice on how to do poker commentary? <laughs> is this uh, is true. I asked stakes for the GTO, you know, to break it down. So, and, and you know, I didn't realize he writes some of the jokes before he goes into the booth. Did you know that, Hartigan? Do you think he was just doing it off the off the top of his head? He sometimes he watches the show before he gets in the booth. <laughs> sometimes and writes. Sometimes he writes down a joke preemptively. It's like Santa Claus isn't real. <laughs> no, it's it's more like Santa Claus like Google Maps his route beforehand, and it's not just fucking magic. <laughs> That's true. Santa Claus probably does have Santa Claus probably does have Google Maps by now. So, so you know, it's just just rolling with the times, isn't it, Slates? Rolling with the times. Well, Sam, thank you very much for joining us on EPC Not Live. And uh, in if we could get step in the, into the DeLorean and drive back to January 2015, we would say good luck in the second half of the Shark Cage Heat. Well, which, well, well, I tweeted, yeah, Schrodinger's cat. Like at the moment, you don't know the cat is equally as alive as he is dead. Uh, you guys, I know you're being nice to me because potentially I have a million dollars and <laughs> I'm a good man to hang out with, put it that way. Um, yeah, no no tells like EPT Malta, I might still skip that if I if I won Shark Cage as well. So you know, Oh, that's, that's true. That is true. Well, Sam, we look forward to catching up with you in Prague and uh, thanks very much for joining us on the podcast today. Thanks for having me, guys. It's It's been a pleasure. It's a bit sad that we won't get to see Sam in Malta, but you could be there at the end of this month for Halloween week because as we go into the lobby, there are satellites running right now on PokerStars. Just going to highlight a couple this coming weekend, uh, October the 18th, it's the Sunday. 
Starting at 2.35 Eastern Time, there is a €109 plus rebuy qualifier for EPT Malta with one seat guaranteed. There's a €215 freeze-out. No, sorry, this is a re-entry. I'm sorry, a €215 re-entry satellite also on Sunday, the 18th, at 4.30 Eastern Time. Two packages guaranteed, and you can satellite into the satellite for as little as €2.20. Something I should point out, by the way, a question that is commonly asked of the company is, how do I get a job at PokerStars? Now, for those of you who are gonna be in Malta, whether you're playing the main event or just coming along for a holiday and playing some of the side events, the human resources team are gonna be at the Malta Festival. Ah, cool. PokerStars HR will be represented on the 22nd and 23rd of October with a kind of like career stand telling you how you can join. Apparently there are something like a hundred jobs available at the moment at PokerStars. Is it mostly for jobs in Malta? Is that is that why they're there? No, this is across the world. Huh. Across PokerStars' global basis. So if you can afford to fly all the way to Malta to talk to <laughs> HR about possibly getting a job, it sounds like you might not need a job in the first place. I think this is specifically for people who are thinking of attending the festival, who maybe are poker fans, recreational players, who've always wondered about actually turning from being poacher to gamekeeper. What if, like, Jason Mercier went and applied for, like, a job in support? Wouldn't that be sweet? There's That's a commercial that we should do. Man, this company spends a lot of money on commercials. That's a fun one. You joke about it, but there are many people working in, like, the security, game integrity departments, poker and management, who were professional poker players who are making a living from playing online and have now decided that no, they actually want to work in the industry. Yeah, but it's like that scene from Field of Dreams where Moonlight Graham has to like leave the field so that he can <laughs> so that he can save the choking boy. Like once you decide you work for Poker Stars, that's it. Field of Dreams is over for you. You can't play on Poker Stars anymore. So if you think about it, what a great company. Like they're actually losing customers to make the team better. That is very true. And something we should highlight as well, not related to EPT Malta, in fact, not related to the European Poker Tour at all. This is the UK and Ireland Poker Tour, the UK IPT. We've talked about it for the last couple of weeks, Joe. I can confirm yeah. that you and I are both going to play yes. the UK IPT Super Series taking place That's at the hot. Hippodrome in London. We're both going to be playing Day 1C, which is, I guess, Flight 1C. It starts at 7.30 in the evening on the Friday. Uh, so if anyone in the London area is thinking of coming down to the Hippodrome, we will we'll be there. That is Friday the 16th of October. Um, that's when we're going to be there playing the UK IPT Super Series. Really looking forward to it. Should be a really fun event. I got a question about Malta. Can we make this promise? Mm -hmm. Can we say that if you satellite into Malta and get in touch with us and let us know that you satellited in from something you heard about on this show, can we guarantee them some kind of coverage on EPT Live? 100%. Okay, so do that. If you win your way in from something you heard about on this show, get in touch with us. We will come interview you, possibly hang out at your table for a little bit. We will get you some kind of coverage on EPT Live because people say that to me all the time at these things I go to. Yeah. I can't wait for you to do commentary on me. You don't have to make a final table to do it. All you got to do is get in touch and say, I'm a really big fan. I mean, bear in mind that we don't start our coverage till day two, so you right. do have to survive the okay. first eight levels of play. But absolutely, if you are an EPT Live slash not live slash Shark Cage fan and you qualify and you want to be featured on the stream, just let us know. We'd love to give you some time. Have a good day. And talking of sending people to the EPT, qualifying for the EPT, let's give a superfan a chance to win a Stepsy ticket. One of them loves the EPT. 
knows it inside out and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. And after last week's trip down under, this week we are staying in the United Kingdom. We're going to Northern Ireland and saying hello to Dale J. Buchanan. Hello, Dale. Hey, uh, how's it going? Good, thank you. What does the J stand for? Jonathan. Dale Jonathan Buchanan. You gotta just abbreviate it, otherwise you're like, you have like a serial killer slash assassin's name. Like Dale Jonathan Buchanan is a name you read in the newspaper for like shooting up a movie theater. And there I was thinking he sounded almost presidential. DJ Buchanan the third. DJ Buchanan, now that's pretty good. <laughs> come on down, come on down to the club, two for one drinks and DJ Buchanan spinning tunes. Well, there was a Buchanan uh, US president, so I could be a relation, who knows? That is true, I'd like to just say Martin Buchanan, but I don't think that was right. <laughs> Do you know which number it was even? <laughs> Fuck no, there's been a hundred and something presidents, there's no way I would know A hundred or something, it's about 50. No, we're on like our 120th president <laughs> at least. So Dale, <laughs> when you're not watching or playing poker, what do you do for a living? Um, I manage a food store. Uh, what kind of food? Like a grocery store? Yes. You know what? I, I worked in a grocery store for many years as a, I guess it's not many years, but for a couple of years as a teenager. And I got so good at it, uh, at knowing where things were in the grocery store that my, one of my friends called me grocery store Magellan that in any grocery store, I'd be like, what do you need? Sour cream? That's dairy. That's this way. Wow. Can you still do that? Because my local supermarket changes the layout on a yeah, weekly, if not daily basis. The times have changed. So while you used to be able to get something like like salsa on the chip aisle, now it's under like ethnic foods. Exactly. Like they, they, they move shit around. They move stuff. And also the grouping of certain things. There doesn't seem to be any practicality or logic to it anymore. Now, Dale, do you? what's up with your store? What are some of the quirks? Uh, customers just always asking where stuff is. Like you guys, we move it around to keep you in store longer, so you have to buy stuff and get lost. Oh, is that why they do it? <laughs> that would explain why the store I worked at went out of business because they never <laughs> they never moved anything. <laughs> so Dale, here's the game. You are going to answer a series of trivia questions on your specialist subject. You're going to go head to head against Joe Stapleton on the line is a 27 euro step C ticket because we're trying to give you the chance to win a seat in an EPT main event plus the much coveted money can't buy everyone loves a chop pot t-shirt now Joe can you guess from the little you know about Dale what his specialist subject might be well I mean I only know two things about him right now the grocery store thing and the Northern Ireland thing I actually my heart went in my chest for a second when you said we haven't left the United Kingdom because I thought he was from Ireland regular and I was no, like, the oh, bit. he's not going to like that. He's not going to care for... So, Can you really see me making a mistake of that magnitude? No, absolutely not. <laughs> but I was hoping... The reason I didn't know he's from Northern Ireland, because I was hoping I could share with him for good luck this traditional Irish blessing that I heard many times, although this was in, I heard this in Dublin. But around 2 o'clock, this blessing's very popular uh, on the streets of Dublin. It goes like this. <laughs> Uh, uh, uh. It was very commonly heard, and so I can only assume that it is a traditional Irish blessing. So good luck. I'm assuming, Dale, Dale that that is a Republic of Ireland thing, and that you. you oh, have, no, you... it applies up here. Too. <laughs> <laughs> so, Dale's specialist subject, Joe, is Metallica. 
How All much right. do you know or not know about the band Metallica? Enter night, exit light. Well, here, Joe uh, actually liked my Metallica um, collection on Facebook a while ago. So before he got overly famous and now you can't even be his friend. It's just a follow. So. No, you can be a friend on my new Facebook page. But oh, that'll, right. that'll get filled up eventually, too. So that oh, I, I regret that Facebook decision <laughs> so much. Oh, I'm so angry. Like, it, it shows you basically when I post on my old Facebook page. So I have like 5,500 likes. And it shows you how many people your post has reached. And if I don't pay, it on average reaches about 150 people oh, of man. those 5,500. It's fucking annoying. Rarely a day goes past where you don't comment God, on your Facebook that. status. Uh, so here's the thing. I know nothing about the man, band Metallica, so I outsourced the questions, not to my dad, because he probably knows even less than I do. We had a resident Metallica fan in our office, senior producer Ben Strivens, who may or may not be the world's poshest Metallica fan, ah. has compiled a list of questions, which I'm opening right now from the sealed envelope in front of me. Um, so I'm simply going to ask you, Dale, whether you'd like to be odd or even. Well, I'm odd, so I'll stick the odd. Okay, that means you get to go first, and you get question number one. Superfan versus Stakes. How many Grammys do Metallica hold? Eight. Wow, he said that so confidently. I was scared. Not according to my question compiler, who has been known to be wrong from time to time, but I'm going to have to go with the answer that's been written down in front of me, Joe. Wait! Oh, I can steal, right? You can steal. Uh, God, I'm going to... I feel like eight is going to be close. Nine. Wow, that was lucky. Joe, your question. All right. For the album S&M, Metallica recorded with which symphony orchestra? The Trans-Siberian Orchestra. Dale, you can steal for a point. San Francisco. One point all after the first round. Oh, that was the one, the freight train coming, right? When the freight train coming. Yeah, yeah, that was part of it. Damn it. I was going to say that we have to pay licensing, but that probably was so far from reality that we don't have to worry about it. Uh, Question three, your second question, Dale. Who was Metallica's original bass player? Ron McGovney. I thought it was Pete Best. (laughs) <laughs> Metallica, the Beatles, very similar bands. Uh, Joe, your second question. Which company makes the majority of Metallica's guitars? Gibson. Dale, you can steal. ESP. ESP, go. Mm. He is F-U-C. 3-1 okay. up as we go into the third round. Y-O-U. Dale, who played bass? for the band between the departure of Jason Newstead and the arrival of Robert Trujillo Trujillo <laughs> Bob Rock his name was Bob Rock yeah. <laughs> and he was in a rock band that's fantastic his middle name Metal that's that's a good one for uh, when you play is that your real name that with is Chris true. Moneymaker is that your real name <laughs> Joe your question what world record do Metallica hold they own the world record for. Uh, hold on, give me a second. Um, most hotel rooms trashed. It's good, but it's not right. Uh, it, I think it's because they've played every continent in the world. Is correct, and you are five-one up. Do you know what, Dale? 
You're going to go 6 0 up because we've done some verification, and guess what? This is unbelievable. Striven's <laughs> fucked up. And Metallica have indeed won eight Grammys. Yes. <laughs> and, and for and for Ben. Oh, this is what happens when you have to rely on human beings. Okay, uh, where are we at? This is your penultimate question, Dale. You're leading six nothing. <coughs> Which okay. band inspired the riff for Enter Sandman? Oh, God. Which band? <laughs> Yes, which band inspired the riff for Enter Sandman? I don't know. Don't know. Pass it over. Let him get one. Okay, come on, Joe. Let's, let's get you on the board. <laughs> I'm so bad at pressing buttons. What chance do I have at answering these goddamn questions? And this will explain why you are a losing poker player. Clicking buttons just doesn't <laughs> so come naturally bad. to you. I can't even hit the right ones by accident. <laughs> uh, okay, so which band inspired the riff for Enter Sandman? Yes. Or up the never, never land. <laughs> Hold on. Um, uh, uh, Led Zeppelin. Apparently, the answer is Soundgarden. Oh, Soundgarden. Joe, your penultimate question. In which year were the band inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame? 2001. Dale, you can steal. 2009. 2009. They well, they got that one wrong. I'm just buzzing them wrong. That's that's the first of all. That's the Hall of Fame getting it wrong. Oh, okay, that's and that's for Dale, Dale getting it right and going seven nil up with one round to play. Your final question, Dale. Yeah. Who did Kirk Hammett take guitar lessons from? Oh, I know this. It's uh, Joe Satriani. Correct. Um, yeah. Now I'm not I'm not going to lie to you about your chances, Joe. <laughs> but you do have my sympathies. Uh, what is the title of the Metallica fan club fanzine? Come on, just get on the board. Get one point here, please. The Metallica fan club fanzine is called Metallica Monthly. No, <laughs> Dale. Do you know what it's called? So what? It's the correct answer. <laughs> so what is is so many things right now that Dale Buchanan has crushed. This round of Superman versus Stapes, 9-0. Uh, and Dale, that means you receive both prizes. A 27-euro Step-C ticket. We'll ship that to your PokerStars ID. And, of course, an Everyone Loves a Chop Pot t-shirt, which we'll send by traditional freight. Uh, thank you very much for taking part. Here, look, thanks for uh, asking me along, guys. It's been great. And uh, if you want to private message me Maria Ho's phone number, I would really appreciate that too. I'm just not so sure she would appreciate it. <laughs> no offense. No problem. Thank you very much for your support, Dale. And thank you very much for playing. Thanks, Dale. Thanks, guys. Cheers. Boy, did I get shellacked by uh, Dale Buchanan. I, I, Can we... Is there a way that I can at least know what the subject is before we roll? Like, I feel like I should at least have a chance to study. And also, if whoever's going to be getting the questions, just gets them off the Wikipedia page. I feel like, yeah, that's you, Ben. I feel like whoever picks it as their, their specialist subject, all they have to do is go read the Wikipedia page before we go on the air. And all the answers are right. You know what I mean? Like, 
whoever's making the questions, I'm sorry, needs needs to dig a little deeper. Wow! I lost the Superfan versus Tapes competition. Wow! Well, come on, I, I studying that. I, I just wanted to be a good game. Like I want, the, I want the super fans to win, but I would like to get our question right. Okay, well, the dude who wants to do the Walking Dead. Yeah. If we get that slated for the next two weeks, number one, you know what the subject is. Number two, I promise the game will be better. Okay. Thanks very much. I appreciate now, that. Quit fucking whining. Now that all my whining, that's all it all my whining's done. That is all the time we've got for this week's show. Next week, we're gonna wrap up Shark Cage Heat number three. Oh, I'm just real quick, the best part of the Selena Lynn stream I never got to is that she and I made a prop bet over who would win. And even though I made I knew what the results were, I bet on the wrong guy. And therefore tricked her into switching the bet later on. So at the end of the, the stream, if you guys go back and watch it, the Twitch stream, I end up having to down a tablespoon full of hot sauce. And Selena puts her foot in her mouth. And if you know anything about like hot grills and the internet, you know watching a girl put her foot in her mouth is something that is highly coveted in that in that strata of society. So go back and watch that. <laughs> Hot grill, foot and mouth. So next week, Shark Cage Heat 3. Yep. James and I will have played in the Hippodrome Tournament. Yes, we may also have played in a pub poker league game if we find the opportunity. Uh, I Also, we've got, uh, we're hosting a, a poker night uh, tomorrow night, in fact. That's right. We're teaching like a bunch of executives how to play poker or something, like one of those corporate... Well, they claim that they're all like borderline professional poker players, so they're just looking for some pro tips. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see. Well, actually, I look forward to giving an accurate description of that because most of the time when people say they're good poker players, I'm just like, oh, God. Okay, cool, man. Cool story, bro. Uh, and uh, James, you got some free time coming up, so maybe we'll go to the movies. I saw Sicario last weekend. Oh, that's the one I really want to see. Uh, but have you seen The Martian yet? No, I haven't. Go see Matt Damon in, uh, in, his, <laughs> in his new Martian movie. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Uh, that's like I said. That's all the time we got for this week's show. For James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Oh, before this, smell you later. I'm gonna take you out. Don't, don't tune out, guys, because I'm gonna play one last little clip of my stand-up from Scotland uh, after I do this. Smell you later. Actually, this is a really funny story. Is that I dated a Scottish girl very briefly. If I can take a side side step for a second, I dated a Scottish girl very briefly, and um, she does the the voice of like the operator for one of the big cell phone providers. And when I, I called the cell phone provider, um, I heard her voice and it like, kind of like made me horny. Like it reminded me of being with her. But I like, it didn't end well. So like I felt like I couldn't really ever call her again because I was a dick. Um, and so what I did was when she asked my account number, I just hit zero a bunch of times. So when she was like, your account number is oh, 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 oh. Oh, oh, oh.